Welcome to Careers for the Blind. I'll be your host, Harrison Hoyes. And in this interview series, we'll be having conversations with blind and visually impaired people discussing their career paths. We'll have an opportunity to hear about the struggles they had along the way, advice that made them more effective in their careers, and in general, what has helped them lead happy and successful lives. In December 2020, I had a conversation with Mark Lucas. Mark is still a sighted person. He has not lost his sight, but he has spent the last 20 years as the executive director for the USABA, or the United States Association of Blind Athletes. Growing up, Mark had no idea that he wanted to help people with disabilities, but early in his career, he had an opportunity to work with some people with disabilities, and he found his passion for helping others, and he's been doing it ever since. Here's my conversation with Mark. Mark, where are you from originally? Yeah, my name is Mark Lucas, and I grew up in the great Buckeye State. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and went to the Ohio State University in Ohio. And after I graduated in 1978, I'm showing my age, then I moved out and relocated to the Sunshine State in California. Okay. All right. Fantastic. You mentioned the Ohio State. So can you tell me a little bit about your education and just the various various positions that you've held uh, throughout your career? I went to the, the Ohio State and my my undergrad was in natural resources, parks and recreation administration. And there were two routes that I was very interested in pursuing. One was either to be a park ranger and the second route that I was looking at was to um, work for a city municipal parks and recreation department. So in 1977, I worked uh, as an intern for Kettering Ohio Parks and Recreation as a rec aide. And when I graduated from college in 78, I moved to California and I putzed around in outdoor education. I worked for the United States Forest Service as a park uh, technician, a ranger technician. And then I also worked for the state of California at Malibu, Malibu Creek State Park as a, as a park aide. And uh, that's where they filmed the episodes of the series MASH. And so I met my wife in Southern California. She's a Valley girl. And uh, we, the two of us, moved up to the state of Washington, where she went to the University of Washington. And I also um, worked in, again, outdoor education, outdoor recreation. I worked for American Adventures. People would bring their RVs, and I would provide them recreation opportunities, worked at a Campgrounds of America. But it was in 1980 where I first uh, had my, it was my first experience working with people with disabilities. And I had a little part-time job uh, teaching developmentally disabled children swimming. So that job in 1980 was a tributary little river off of my park ranger or or, or municipal recreation, and that led me to Missouri 
uh, Joplin, Missouri, where I, I had a full-time job um, working with people with developmental disabilities. So it's quite interesting. I, I didn't find it. It found me working with people with disabilities. Okay. All right. And when did you go and do your graduate work? Right. So I, uh, uh, after several tornadoes ripped through Joplin, Missouri, my wife wanted to go back to Earthquake Valley. I mean, uh, Earthquake City in, uh, in Los Angeles. And we went back to L.A. And uh, it was there I continued working with people with disabilities. I worked for a very small nonprofit organization called the Jeffrey Foundation in Los Angeles, California. And I provided after school programs for children with disabilities. And my wife and I were group home parents. And uh, it was there I took the first handicap, quote, handicap troop to Camp Emerald Bay, a Boy Scout troop. Uh, we were the first dis handicapped troop on the island in their 50 years existence. And, and that's when I started working on my master's degree in therapeutic recreation at California State University, Northridge. And what was your, what was your graduate work in? I went to Cal State Northridge CSUN and there I majored in therapeutic recreation, working specifically with people with disabilities in sports recreation and physical activity. Okay. All right. So helping or starting those first few jobs with working with people with disabilities really, I guess, caught your passion and you pursued your, master, your uh, graduate work in the same field. So that's, that's, that's fantastic. Yes, that's absolutely correct. It, and again, it was that part-time job in Seattle, Washington, working for Kings County Parks and Recreation that really led me to finding my true passion, working with people who happen to have disabilities. And then after your graduate work, where did your career take you? Right. And so in 1985, I had been working with other with nonprofits, working with people with disabilities, the Jeffrey Foundation, the Crippled Children's Society, and I was in between jobs. And in 1985, I applied for three different jobs. One was working at a camp, a summer camp in Mammoth. It was Boys and Girls Club uh, summer camp. A second job offer was working at the Navy base in Port Wyneme, the Seabees, to provide sports and recreation for military personnel and their families. But it was the, a third job that I was looking at, and it was with the Foundation for the Junior Blind. They were looking for a camp director and a director of recreation services for this agency serving the blind in Los Angeles. And one of their programs was a summer camp called Camp Bloomfield. And I really absolutely wanted that job because it just fit perfectly about my previous background and my education. And it was Sunday morning at eight o'clock in the morning. I remember it vividly. Joe Bernstein called me and offered me the position working at the Foundation for the Junior Blind. And that was really my first career opportunity in the field of blindness in 1985. But you didn't stay there forever. What did you, how did, where did your career take you after that? Well, 
I like to say that I have the greatest job in the world working for the junior at the Junior Blind of America as the summer camp director. And I would recruit 60 camp counselors from all over the United States and over, all over the world to an in-service training for one week. week. And so re, really finding good young people who wanted a summer experience. And, and, uh, and we served more than 600 blind and visually impaired children, youth, and their families at Camp Bloomfield. And that was the greatest job in the world. The rest of the year after summer camp was over, the executive director came to me, the CEO, and said, I want you to create a program that is no, like no other in the United States, serving children and youth who are blind and visually impaired. So I had a white sheet of paper with this agency. And uh, not, I wouldn't say an unlimited budget, but if, if, if the program was educational, and fun and safe, I was able to sell that program so the agency then could go out and secure the funding dollars that they needed to provide these programs and services. So I created this program called uh, Adventures in Learning with the Foundation for the Junior Blind as the Director of Recreation. And it was the program was so cool because of the educational and the fun piece of it all. So, for instance, uh, multiple times I took a young adults, children, youth to Washington, D.C., and we contracted the 4-H club, and they took us on a behind-the-scenes uh, behind tour and learning of Washington, D.C., and the White House and the Capitol, and it was all uh, educational and, and a fun program. Another program within that uh, ventures in learning was I took a group of young adults to New Zealand for 15 days over the course of the December holiday, the, the Christmas and the Hanukkah season. And they had a, uh, the, the youngsters had to apply to be a part of this program and, and fill out an essay. And, uh, and they had a sighted buddy on the other side. And we had this down under experience where we sheared sheep and block water rafting, which belunking uh, in these caves and uh, deep sea fished and stayed on a Maori tribe for three days. And, and the, at the end of the program, the youngsters who were blind went to their Kiwis buddy family for uh, three days to experience a, a, a Christmas down in New Zealand. Another program within that program is uh, I took kids to young adults who are blind, visually impaired on a wilderness trip up to the boundary waters of Minnesota, where we contracted another wilderness inquiry group who has expertise in outdoor education. And we stayed on a YMCA camp on the border of Minnesota and Canada and there the youngsters uh, learned how to cross country ski. Most of these kids were from inner city LA or surrounding areas of Southern California and their first wilderness uh, experience. And uh, we uh, snowshoed uh, in 10 degree weather and we cross country skied in these freezing sub below freezing conditions and, and we went dog sledding. And then the last night of that excursion that we were there, we slept on the ice in the, 
youngsters had any way they wanted to hike in a mile of where we were sleeping on the ice overnight in 10 degree weather. They could either do their cross country skis, snowshoe <clears throat> or dog sled. <clears throat> that was a cold night and I remember it vividly with these youth. So the, the long story short is I had the greatest job in the world at the Foundation for the Junior Blind running that summer camp program and also the Adventures uh, in Learning program. And my wife said, you would never leave that job. <clears throat> but one day in 1993, I saw a job description come across my desk for a assistant executive director for the United States Association of Blind Athletes. So it was then in 1993 that I uprooted my family from Los Angeles, my three children, my wife, and we moved to beautiful Colorado, where I took on the job as assistant executive director with the United States Association of Blind Athletes. And then that position, I know, progressed, but uh, can you tell me how your, the rest of your career went? For the last 27 years, I have worked for the United States Association of Blind Athletes. And when I left Los Angeles, I was hired as the assistant executive director. And really what it was, was the sports director <clears throat> managing all the sports, 13, 14 different sports um, for athletes who are blind and visually impaired. And I did that until 2001 at which time I was promoted to the position of executive director. So since then, 2001, I've been the executive director of the United States Association of Blind Athletes. All right. And all during that time that you're working with blind and visually impaired people, either through the youth camps or part of the Association of Blind Athletes, were any of your colleagues, any of, uh, were there any other employees that were blind and visually impaired? When I first started working with the United States Association of Blind Athletes in 1993, there were three different positions within the organization. And as the organization grew and our fundraising efforts grew, we were able to expand more revenue streams to hire more staff. And over the course of the last several years as the executive director of the organization, I made a point when there was an open position to always give a person who are, is bl or blind or visually impaired uh, an equal or a one-up basis to, to be able to do the job. So several years ago, I hired an athlete as the membership and outreach director, <clears throat> outreach coordinator position. And then he left and went on to law school and I hired, uh, opened that position again and hired another visually impaired person in that position. I also created a director of development position several years ago and made a point to uh, look at all the candidates equally fair, but uh, again, hired another person who was visually impaired for that position. <clears throat> so yes, to answer your question, uh, several opportunities to hire people who are blind and visually impaired into positions within the United States Association of Blind Athletes. And going back to my early part of my career as the camp director at the uh, Camp Bloomfield in Malibu, I made a point to groom, groom young adults into the position of counselor in training 
so that they could also have the opportunity to have responsibilities and move into a camp camp counselor position or a program position within the agency. I always thought it was best to hire camp counselors who had a visual impairment or were blind because they have to be the best role models for the campers they were serving. All right, absolutely. Uh, I, I know your career spans uh, several decades, but are you know are you able to to share with us in the nonprofit world what kind of salaries do people re- receive and and uh, just any kind of general ranges uh, that you know blind and visually impaired people hold uh, have with uh, with the various organizations that you've worked with. So with the junior blind, I'm sorry, with the United States Association of Blind Athletes, the positions that I hired for the membership coordinator, the director of development position, they all had salaries that were equivalent to the demographic market of Colorado Springs and also to the responsibilities of that position. So for instance, the coordinator position was usually the range of $30,000, $40,000. The director of development position, the fundraising position was in the salary range of sixty dollars to $80,000. And regardless of whether the person was sighted or visually impaired or had a low vision, had low vision, the salary was the same regardless of whether it was it was equal to the responsibilities of the position if that makes sense yeah no absolutely absolutely thank you for sharing that i think it's important that you know we have a, a podcast that's career focused and you know understanding what kind of income people you know reasonably expect for the various types of positions that uh, that are out there uh, so being involved with blind athletes and i know from looking at your resume i just wanted to ask you what and you based on your graduate work as well what are some of the benefits that you've seen blind and visually impaired people getting out of being very involved with athletics over the course of of my career and as a parent and as a, a sports enthusiastic individual myself, I believe that everyone, regardless, everyone should participate in some form of sports and or recreation and or physical activity. In just based on my undergrad in parks and recreation and how important it is for people to go out and play outside their work environment, how critically important that is to an individual uh, and uh, individually and as a family. And in them majoring in therapeutic recreation, I clearly understood the value of sports, recreation, and physical activity. And there are several key components of why an individual 
should partake in these activities. One is the social aspect of it. And this is regardless of your, if you're disabled or non-disabled, the social aspect of participating in activities is so critically important for a child or an adult, whether you're three years old or 83 years old, whether you're 13 or 53, that social aspect. Think about men's softball and women's and co-ed softball and how they get together and collectively go out and play as a team and that social camaraderie within the dugout. And then there's the US, uh, National Beat Baseball Athletic Association and that same concept regardless of blindness or regardless of sightedness, sight, a person who's sighted, that social aspect of playing on a team sport like softball, co-ed softball, or beat baseball, and that, that aspect of being a part of a team collectively and having that social aspect, the physical aspect of participation how critically important it is for us to try to achieve 10,000 steps a day, which is recommended by the CDC. And whether you're walking, jumping, hopping, skipping, playing beat baseball, regardless, we should all be doing 10,000 steps a day. So how critically important it is to participate from a physical aspect, the cognitive aspect of participation. Again, a senior in a convalescent or assisted living program doing bingo and ensuring that their cognitive abilities stay sharp all through the rest of their life, or a child who's participating in, uh, in a, a beep kickball game at six years old to know the rules, how to do the score, how to play collectively as an individual, as a team. So we have that aspect of it, the co cognitive aspect. So sports and recreation and physical activity are, are so critically important, regardless of your age, your ethnicity, uh, or a sightedness or disabled. If you're disabled, it, it is, it should be a part of your overall life on a daily basis. All right. Absolutely. I completely agree. Can you explain the connection between the Association of Blind Athletes and the Paralympics? So the United States Association of Blind Athletes manages one sport on the Paralympic level, and that is the sport of goalball, G-O-A-L-B-A-L-L. In all the other sports that are part of the Paralympics, the Summer or Winter Paralympic Games, USABA helps identify athletes, get them into camps at a recreational level, and then feeds them into the U.S. Paralympics. In those Summer Paralympic sports, there's 23, and I believe there's seven winter sports. So goalball is the one sport that USABA manages in partnership with the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Okay. For people that are interested in participating or trying to compete at the Paralympics, what's some advice that you could give to them as a way to go about that? Many times 
as a child, we all dream and aspire to do something that is what we would love to do in our life. And it's always important for children and youth and young adults to dream as big as they possibly can. So for instance, when I was a youngster, I wanted, I loved Roberto Clemente. He was my idol on and off the playing field, uh, who happened to die in a plane crash later on. But I, I dreamt, I dreamed of being a major league baseball player. And kids, it's so important for them to dream big like that. And I got, uh, by the way, I, I got cut off my eighth grade baseball team and then never went out for the high school team after that. Okay. But, but later on played co-ed softball and had the greatest time in the world doing that in intramural college softball, et cetera. But to answer your question, it's important for parents of a sighted children and parents of blind or disabled children, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's so important for parents to expose their children to sports and recreation and physical activity as early as an age as possible. And it's important between the ages of five and 13 to expose children to as many different opportunities as possible whether it's ballet, whether it's yoga, uh, whether it's beat baseball or goalball or running or track or rock climbing. Because later on when that child is a young adult in 15 and 17 and 20 years old, they're going to know uh, what activities that they want to participate based on what their parents exposed them to early on in their developmental years. So the question is, how does a person aspire to be a Paralympic athlete is to expose children to all those sports early on in their life, let them hone in on one or two sports in their middle schools and their high school to eventually then compete on competitive teams uh, to, to really then compete at a higher level. So, so then if you want to aspire to uh, be a Paralympian, you would have to have been exposed to all those elements from, from birth through uh, your high school years. Having spent so much time with blind athletes and in the blind community your entire career and most, most of your life, what are some of the most remarkable athletic accomplishments you've witnessed blind and visually impaired people achieve? Over the course of my <clears throat> career working at the Foundation for the Junior Blind in California, and then with the United States Association of Blind Athletes the last 27 years, I really have seen some incredible feats and accomplishments by people who are blind and visually impaired. Eric Weinminer stands out of one of many individuals. Eric has climbed, Eric is totally blind and he has climbed the highest peaks in all seven continents across 
the world. Uh, Marla Runyon. Marla Runyon was the first. She was a Paralympic athlete, and she was the first a blind, visually impaired person to make the Paralympic Games. She made the Games in 2000 in Sydney in the para, in the Olympics and uh, competed in the 1500 meter um, 1500 meter run. So many other cool accomplishments. Uh, Mark Riccobono of the National Foundation for the uh, Blind uh, drove a, a, a Formula car uh, on a track uh, with adaptive advice, uh, advice, uh, adaptive equipment. Um, one of the coolest moments of my career was as I worked with the United States Association of Blind Athletes and our organization managed the sport of bow ball and at one time managed judo, watching the women's goal ball team accomplish the gold medal and stand on the medal stand in Beijing, China. What a, an incredible accomplishment that was. Or Scott Moore winning the first gold medal in the sport of judo, both sighted and or blind, visually impaired. And then in the same games, his teammate uh, in the heavyweight division comes back and wins the gold medal also. So two athletes in the Sydney Paralympic Games winning the gold medal. And I could go on and on and on. There's so many uh, incredible accomplishments of people who are blind and visually impaired. And it, it all comes down to having the opportunity to participate and compete. And, and that inclusion aspect, because um, the feats are just remarkable and incredible. All right. Thank you for sharing all of that. And do you have any general advice? I know you're not a blind person yourself, but any advice that you may have for blind and visually impaired people in general, given you've had such an extensive experience with in blind and visually impaired? My recommendation to, to people who are blind and visually impaired is one, to get the education in that trade that, that you want to hone in on. So being an expert on the educational aspect of knowing your trade. And then number two is getting that experience. And so, for instance, um, I've had a, a, a person who, who is totally blind, who has applied for a position um, within the organization, and he's a Paralympic athlete, and he's applied for these positions but he didn't meet the job description, number one. And number two, he just didn't have the time because he was honing in on his uh, desire to be a Paralympic athlete. And what, what I told him was to find a job that was 10, 15 hours a week and make sure you have that experience. And so it, it, it goes down to whether you're sighted or blind it is to get the experience in that trade and re to really then move up that ladder. And so it's important to get the education, whether it's high school, college, a trade, and then start low and work your way up and get that experience. Experience means everything. And it's no different when I worked at Camp Bloomfield and, and young adults wanted to be a camp counselor. And I 
thrusted them into that counselor and training position, one, so they could experience over a week or two and what it's like, and two, to gain that experience and that confidence then to be able to uh, have those those skills then to be employable. So, so that's what it's really all about is to get the experience and the education uh, required of that position. I hope we can all learn something from my conversation with Mark. Sighted people play a major role in advocating for blind and visually impaired people, giving us opportunities, and helping us to succeed in a variety of different ways. One key lesson that I'm taking away from Mark is that experience counts for a lot. Get any kind of experience that you can in the field that you want to pursue. Start at the bottom and work your way up. I hope you come back to hear more conversations with blind and sighted people, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. Thanks for listening.